Welcome you to the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells is here as usual. Hi, Mike Keith. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Coach Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio. Hi, Mike Keith. How are you, sir? Great. And the great Jim Wyatt from TitansOnline.com, senior writer, editor. Welcome back. Happy to be here. Looks like you've been into the munchkins already. I have. I've had munchkins and Duncan, I've had a cookie. Yep. munchkins already this morning on the program. I felt like everybody needed some sugar in their life today. Tis the season, you know? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Not far. A couple weeks till Christmas. Excited about that. Also excited about Code Blue. Mikey. So the, so the Titans are wearing their all Titans blue on Sunday, and they are asking everyone in the fan base to come out in the Titan blue. I guess first question is, what are the chances Dave McGinnis is code blue in terms of his dress on Sunday? 100%. I'm going to Halsey right as soon as we get out oh, of here. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> no 100%. Suiting up. All right. Halsey, so, a little change up with the code blue, too. What's that? The socks. Socks are navy. Uh, it takes away the Smurf look uh, from previous years when it's been all light blue. So you know who will like that? Ben Gilbert. Uh. Okay. Because where did the code blue thing start? Right here. Right here on the OTP. Last week during the OTP cues, who brought it up? Ben Gilbert from Lexington, Kentucky. Read read what he said there, Amy. This is what Ben Gilbert said to us. Ben Gilbert, our guy. His question was, there's something I want the Titans to bring back, and that is code blue. I'm bringing this up because the Colts had a whiteout on December 1st to get fans excited and to help intimidate the other team. We should bring back code blue for big games. Can we start a petition, or can you put in a good word for us? Ben, you did. You did it. You did it, Ben. Way this to go. It. The OTP hears the people. There's a lot of power in this show. And then makes it happen. I mean, it feels that way right this, now. This show is a blowtorch to the people. It is a blowtorch. Yes. I mean, it's influential. I'm so I hate proud to say, of that. I hate to still Ben Thunder, though. I think this was in the works uh, before. Nope. Well, Disagree. We, doesn't, doesn't make I any difference. <laughs> it was funny. You could say that, but we didn't hear about it till Monday. Ben sent in the question a week before. Truth. Ben sent in the question two weeks ago. Mike Keith and I heard tell that this was happening on Monday, Monday. mid-morning. Mm-hmm. What happened between Ben sending his question and us receiving notification that it was happening? It happened. Why the OTP aired. That is what happened. There you go. I give 100% of the credit for Code Blue coming back to Ben Gilbert. And the OTP. And the OTP. There we go. I was here for the first Code Blue. It was really cool. We Stephen were, Tulloch made the tackle on too. Dominic Rhodes on the fourth and one. That was so, it was a that was a really cool evening. That's when they gave out the T-shirts. I still have the first T-shirt. Do you? I do. I mean, it was it was you know a lot of these sometimes a lot of these dress everybody dressed the same stuff doesn't go off real well in stadiums. That cold blue that we had here, the first one was dominant. Well, on Monday Night Football. I mean the the whole thing. I mean it was an awesome scene, and then the Titans win thirty one to twenty one to go to seven and zero, drop the Colts to three and four, basically put the division away that night. Yes, it's it's basically over that night, and there was a fourth down play, and the Colts were very confident because they were the Colts, and so they were going for it, and Stephen Tulloch just trampled through to make the play. Yeah, a little behind the scenes, we had worked on that short yardage alignment a lot, and, and Keith Bullock was telling Tully, Tully, 
when you see this, it's this play. Play this play, no other play. And it worked. Good stuff. Here is my request to all Titans fans. Go. So as to not let Ben Gilbert down, (laughs) please participate. Please, please, please wear blue. Wear your Titans blue. Just do it. Throw on a blue T-shirt. Throw on your blue jersey. Whatever it takes. I don't know. Get a blue blanket and wrap it around yourself like a cape. Do whatever you want to do. But make sure that it is actually blue because when the Colts did their whiteout game, frankly, it was embarrassing. There were not a lot of people participating. There were just people wearing dabs of white here and there. It's hard to wear white, though. It, it's hard to wear white. I get it. After, but like, After Labor Day. But after you've pumped it up and said, we're having a whiteout, this is going to be intense, and then nobody does it, you look ridiculous. So what I am saying is wear your Titans blue. Do not let Ben Gilbert down. He worked hard for this. That was to my point about people not, I mean, Titans fans are much better than Colts fans. Heck yes, they are. Titans fans are much better than Colts fans, and 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 so they are. This is going to be this is going to be solid. Jim White, what would you like to say about all this? Well, I think it's going to be unique. I bring it up the socks again. We've seen this light blue color combination in the past, and it, and the team did get you know it did get called the Smurf look. Well, with the navy blue helmet and the navy blue socks going with it with the navy blue color in the middle of the of the jersey i think it's going to be cool i mean guys go wear red with it obviously kevin byard in the photo shoot he did yesterday he's got on red gloves and the red armbands but it's going to be a unique look and it ought to be cool inside the stadium uh, to see it i know on the scoreboard they've already got the code blue uh on the video board there i think um, people were fired up about it i tweeted out something about it uh less than 30 minutes ago it's already you know blowing up on twitter so people are ready and uh big game on sunday uh wearing the the light blues so that came from the otpq's show last week amy wells give us a couple more questions to kick off this edition of the otp from the otpq's you've got a couple of questions i bet some bonus otpq's bonus otpq's i do have a couple actually jim i'm going to start with you this one's from shannon in pleasant hill california And it actually goes to exactly what you were just talking about. She says, hello, everyone. I just want to say that I love what you all do, and I'm very jealous. You're involved, Shannon. Don't worry about it. I noticed a couple weeks back that Kevin Byard started wearing a red sleeve and has paired that with red gloves, shoes, etc. I absolutely love getting red incorporated in our jerseys. Do you think that Amy would ever consider red alternates or putting a little more red into our jersey combination in some way? Well, the red, you know, Keith Bullock, I'm giving him credit for starting the red gloves, and I think Chris Johns has started wearing them, and then it's just taken off with the current players. I think it's a cool look. Whether there's a red jersey, I mean, there were red jerseys made back during the 1999 season, I think, and people still, they never wore them, but people. Uh, it's not know, true. P- people, I mean, but they were. they were. We sold a red novelty jersey. Right, and people always have thought, well, this team wore them in the game. And I've said, no, they've never worn the game. I said, no, their jerseys are out there. I'm saying, no, they have never worn these jersey, this jersey in a game. And uh, you'll, still, you'll still see them around town. That question has been asked before, but you've got to pick an alternate jersey. And the, and the main jerseys are navy blue and then white. Right. And then the alternate is the light blue. Maybe one day you make the light blue the primary jersey. Well, it was for a while. Yeah, so – We'll see. I mean, I, I don't get the sense that red is uh, – I know Amy has 
talked about it. Seems like she's somewhat interested, as you said before. Fans are interested uh, in wearing that, and certainly she would take them seriously. But I don't get the sense that anything is happening anytime soon. Yeah, my kids had the red novelty jerseys. Just like I have a red Titans helmet in my office right now that the NFL just put out. It's very cool. But there's never actually been a, a red jersey. Now, there is red in the logo, but in, in terms of, but you only get three choices. You get home, away, and alternate. You don't, I mean, it's not like Oregon that we have a different outfit for every day of the week. You it's, called them outfits. Well, but you the, said boys don't wear outfits. Well, but the point is, <laughs> and and I have nothing against Oregon. I think it's cool that they do that, but the league doesn't allow it. It's the whole thing about why we can't wear the Oilers stuff because there's not an alternate helmet involved right now. You they couldn't wear a helmet with a Derek. You've got to stick with, you know, with one look in that way. What's the outfit story? Seem to bring you so much pleasure, Mike. Does not like when I refer to uniforms or athletic wear or combinations as outfits no, because boys don't put together outfits. That's not what yeah, I said. Huh, I'm talking said. about clothes. You said, you said, oh, that's a nice outfit you have on. I don't have an outfit on. I have clothes. Players <laughs> can have an outfit. Teams can have an outfit, but I, guys don't have outfits. We don't put outfits together. It's a point of contention. I Coach, you've ever that. put an outfit together for yourself? Have you ever thought, oh, look, here's my outfit? We're wearing an outfit right now. Jim White, you and I are in the middle of a. Of, okay. Of, uh, let's move on. Took We're such moving pleasure on. in that. I know she smiled when, when he used oh, the word she, outfit. She I knew there was it. a story behind it. I she just won it. for anyone keeping score. And you score. just hit your paper. Oh, again. my goodness. <laughs> All right. Coach Mack, this question is for you from the OT people. Donovan from Los Angeles, California. Everybody says, from California. I know. They're very excited. This is strictly for Coach Mack, it is indicated here. Vrabel said in his introductory press conference that he wanted front multiplicity. What is it? Do the Titans have it? And why is it so valuable? They got it. They've got it as probably as well as anybody in this league. And what happens is, I mean, they can say they're basing out of a out of a thirty four defense, but that is just uh, so they can put something down on paper because the things that, that he does, the different the different types of fronts and looks that, that Dean Pease and Mike Vrabel use is is a huge part of their success because their front line, if they've got if they've got four people up front, it's not necessarily a four three defense. If they have five people up front, it's not necessarily a three four defense because the people and the anchor points and the different positions that they put people in up front is what gives offenses so much trouble identifying what they are in pre snap. And so their front multiplicity is not only something they say, they do it as well as anybody in the league. And it, it is what has led to this defense not only being really good at the start of the season, it's what really helps them as the season progresses because offenses have a hard time getting a handle on exactly what they're going to see week to week. Good questions from the OTPQs. If people want to submit them for later use, how can they do that, Amy Wells? Titansonline.com slash OTPQ. There's a form up there. You can submit them all the time. We will do another OTPQ episode. And who knows, you may be the person who gets Code Blue put into effect like Ben Gilbert. You might change the course of the Titans <laughs> The course of the franchise. franchise. You may suggest who to draft. Yeah. Who you, knows? You never know. We have a lot of power here on the OTP. Obviously. Yeah. We didn't know it until now. I like it. It's good I feel stuff. All, all right, Oakland experience for all. Coach Max says he's going to miss it. Are I'm you being bad. serious I'm about miss that? I'm going to bad. I, I love that Are place. you serious? Yes. 
I loved it from the start. Look, this is this this is. There's a lot of these places disappearing in the National Football League. The, the old Cleveland Stadium, unique experience. The old New England place, unique, unique, unique experience. This one though had a charm all to its own. Not only charm, I loved it. I loved it because those people are so passionate about what they do, and they are so all in. And the place is so nasty and grimy and gritty, and it is it is old school National Football League. When they play John Facenda up there, you know, you know the 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 autumn wind is a pirate. The autumn that, wind is a pirate. That is so. That that to me is the essence of what the National Football League. You know, it, there it's unique. And here's the thing. If you really dig down into it, as I said, when I coached there, I used to go down to the black hole and talk to those people. And they now there's there's a few elements there. I mean, it does. I mean, when you when you drive in, you drive in the parking lots look like a prison yard, you know, and and it and they've got a lot of security for good reasons. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. But just down to the basic knuckles of of National Football League football and a passion for it. I love the place. I always sense, have. I sense Amy Wells disagrees. I emphatically disagree with you. I'll tell you what. The whole place smells like gym socks. It's dirty. It is hard to maneuver around there. The radio booth looked like a treehouse. There was just a lot of things. The stairs, like the tunnel, is basically a series of stairs that lead down to the field. They were wet for no reason because they're inside it's just after the game the birds circle and they dive down into the stands to get all the residual food you don't it's like, like birds a, that's why i it is. don't yes. like birds and it was like a scene out of a horror movie Mm-mm. i i think that the fans are great the fans will travel to vegas where it is not gross and it is new and clean and lovely take me to a all new right. stadium tiebreaker jim white I like birds, and I like – I've always liked going to Oakland. I have to side with Coach Mike. I'm going to miss it because it's unique. It's different. And uh, going to Vegas, I'm sure when we go in that new stadium, and I hope it's not next year because I think they match up. we're matched up on Could the road be. with AFC West. And if we're matched up going to Las Vegas, that means we didn't win the division. Correct. So, uh, so hope it's not next year. But it is very unique. And uh, is it dirty? Yes. Stuff outdated, yes. Is it a pain in the rear to get to the press conference and back to the locker room? Yes. Uh, and it was a muddy mess, you know, outside the field. Uh, but it is different. And you know that the minute you pull in, as Coach Mike mentioned, I shot a little video. I hesitated to even tweet it out there because people were flipping birds and making obscene gestures and kicking Well, that was water. the great schoolers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why I said the critters are yeah. leaving the Coliseum. And I thought, do I, should, I, should I tweet this out? And I said, you know, we're not pulling into Disney World here. You know, <laughs> People need to know where you are. And, that, and that's what's different about that place. So I'll miss the history of it. Uh, I'll miss kind of the, the crowd. And uh, I love heavy metal. They play a lot of ACDC, Metallica. Doesn't it feel like they're stuck in that John Facenda ACDC time, though? It does, I mean, but and, I'm all and about I think that. That, it, it, that feels like part of their problem, too. And it certainly felt like it when Al Davis was still alive. Yeah, it, to, to me, though, it's it's. I love the history of this league. Right. That is history. Okay, now here's the question, and I'll give you the first crack at it. Raiders were in L.A. from 82 to 94. 
The Raider mystique went with them from Oakland to L.A. They have a massive following in Southern California. As a matter of fact, the feeling is there will be more people travel from Southern California to Las Vegas than from Northern California to Las Vegas. Will the mystique carry over to Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for the Raiders? I don't. I mean, they'll try. I mean, and, and Vegas is the type of city where you can maybe will it pull some up. I don't think so. Okay. It's too, I mean, you can't do that in a, a – you know, a shiny new place uh, in a, bi- a big stadium that's uh, top of the, you know, top of the line, state of the art, uh, all the bells and whistles. I mean, you lose some of the mystique when you're not playing in a dump. So uh, I think they'll try, but, uh, and parts of it, they'll play up, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to be the same. They'll copy it, never be replicated. Never be replicated. And the Coliseum in L.A. is a lot like that place that where we just were. I mean, it's kind of outdated. I spent some years coaching there. It's, it, it sits right down there in South Central. I mean, it's an adventure in itself, too. So that lent itself to, I mean, that fit right in. This new one, no way. All right, Amy Wells, let me ask you this. A.J. Brown, huge game. 221 yards away from a 1,000-yard season. Young man averaging 20 yards a catch. Does he get to 1,000, averaging 74 yards per game for the last three? I think so. You do? I think he does. I think that I like the matchups. I like what he's been able to do, and it feels like he's just starting to catch fire. You know, he's starting to get to that next level. So, yeah, I think I think that it's going to be a fun three weeks with A.J. Brown. I'm with Amy on this one, and it may not be like 75, 75, 80. It may be a – there may be a 50 in there with a with a 150. I mean, because he's shown he's capable of breaking out and making big plays. So I, I think he gets there. And it, it's incredible how consistent he's been. I was talking to the guys on 104.5 this morning. They were asking about the best Titans rookie receivers. And, and they're, you know, from Kendall Wright to Kenny Britt to Corey Davis to, you know, to Kevin Dyson. A lot of these guys had their moments. But he, he hasn't really had – to battle the inconsistencies where you felt like he was in the wrong place or he had a bad uh, series of drops. I mean, he's been consistent from beginning to end because I think it's, he works so hard, he studies, he's a physical specimen, and he's all about football. So uh, really been impressed with him. All right, Coach Mack, let me ask you about him. You you analyzed Ken, uh, A.J. Brown pre-draft. You liked him a lot. You made some comparisons to one of your guys, Anquan Bolden. So – Here's what I'm wondering. After you've seen him practice, after you've seen him play 13 games, do you think he he still like Bolden in the way that you did when you analyzed him pre-draft, or is he somewhat different? And does he have an element or two that you didn't know about? I I, I still like the comparison. Anquan Bolden was my dra- best draft pick I ever made. I mean, and and just for the reasons is the first time he stepped on the field, he was a full grown man. You know, he, he, his first game against Detroit, he set a rookie receiving record, and then it went on for 13 years. This A.J. Brown reminds me of him because of his physicality and because of the way he approaches it, just like what Jim says, and his consistency. Anquan had 1,076 receptions, 13,779 yards, 82 touchdowns in his career. The thing that's different about A.J. Brown from Anquan Bolin I just went back and looked at my notes from Anquan's uh, combine. Anquan ran four seven one. This guy's a lot faster. This 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 player out here has got some really nice things ahead of him. Do you keep all of your notebooks from previous drafts Every when you one break up? Seriously? Yes. Going back how far? Eighty six. Wow. 
That would be fun to sit down and read in an afternoon. Who's the player that surprised you the most from your analysis to what they ended up doing in the league? Stephen Tullick. Really? Yeah. Because Tully, I mean, you you know, when when Tully came out, I mean, you know, he was he was the MVP there at at, at NC State, but he had three number one draft picks on that defensive line that he was playing with at NC State. So he was just a little run around rat ball dude, you know, and just and you know was the Meineke Car Care Bowl MVP. And but you know, Tully ran four eight five, you know, and was was five nothing, you know, as as far as height. But he had something to him. You know, I thought he would be a, a – and we were looking for a linebacker, and, and Jim Schwartz and I both thought he would be a decent little addition. I never thought that he would – I mean, I wanted him to, but he developed into a really good middle linebacker, really good middle linebacker. I mean, he he exceeded all expectations and because he wanted it so bad, and I give a lot of credit, too, to that – to him, and I give a lot of credit to Keith Bullock and David Thornton because to have those two guys flanking him in his career – really helped him great guy he's one of my favorite guys that's ever been through here just because because of how hard he worked and how kind of he, thoughtful he was Jim, he wanted it so bad yeah. he wanted to he wanted it it was so important to him to 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 get past that you know that he was too short too slow to this to that i i loved his career loved what he did with his career speaking of exceeding expectations tight ends at oakland five catches 110 yards and a touchdown why were the tight ends able to make plays against the Raiders? Can they keep it up this week against the Texans? Going in, you know, watching the tape, and, I, you know, you don't, you don't say these things going in because you just – their linebackers were so susceptible to play action. I mean, it was – I mean, you knew going in that you could you, – you, you had a chance to, to eye-trick those guys really, really bad, and, they, and, it, and it, it came out because they were they, – first of all, you know, to hear Whitehead is their best linebacker physically – but 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 he gets lost a lot. He got lost on John Ooze, you know, on on John Ooze thing, and and then the other ones are not physically gifted enough to be able to play run pass at the same time. They've got to sell out. They've got to sell out to play either the run or they've got to stay back and play the pass. And when you put them in conflicts, you had a chance. And the the the. Arthur Smith did a wonderful job with his play action stuff, working those that that inside stuff that happens with with tight ends. That's why. And you add Kari Blazing games, two catches for forty seven yards to that total. That's hundred fifty seven yards of receptions coming from non wide receivers in a three hundred ninety one yard passing day. Yeah, and Ferkster had a touchdown call back, didn't he? He sure yes. did. Yeah, so, I mean, those guys, they, they found good matchups. They schemed them well. When you have a 91-yard touchdown pass down the middle of the field to receiver, that opens things up even more. So, And guys made tough catch. I mean, that John New blossom game uh, got Will Compton on Monday Night Football for you got mossed for that catch he made. Well, John New Smith could have – I don't know who the Raiders defender was there, but that was – Whitehead. Okay, so that was just as uh, impressive a catch with the guy. It should have been a flag on that play. He was face guarding him. He was all up in his grill. John New goes up and makes a catch, and – and you can just see how much – I mean, Mike Vrabel has not hidden how much he loves Jonu Smith. And you could tell his reaction from that play and his, his sheer excitement and joy. It was more than just going up by two touchdowns. He was so happy for Jonu to catch that ball. All right, Amy Wells, I'm going to give you a crack first at the next one because okay. I like this one a lot. Okay. All five active members of the 2019 Titans draft class made significant plays at Oakland. DeAndre Walker, obviously, is on IR right now. 
So I'm asking you at this point, and don't give me the whole, well, we've got to wait and see. I'm talking about right now because we're doing a <laughs> podcast and we're speculating and we're talking ball. So, okay, here we go. Is this John Robinson's best draft class or do you like the 16 class, the 17 class, or the 18 class better? I've been thinking about this for almost 24 hours. Go. I think that the 2019 draft class is the best one but I think you could make see, a see, no. There, it's see, not a but. No, 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 no. I think you I don't could, want that. I, think I want you, you to could, hit it. Answer it. I think you can make a case for I'm, 2017, but I say 19. All right, but see, that's the thing. Is that you can make a case for anything. I think you I can, can make, make a case that I'm six two, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm saying right now. It's a podcast. I'm, you can be as tall as you that's want. That's exactly be right. <laughs> it's not no a visual see, medium no anymore. Used to be. It's not anymore. <laughs> But the, but the bottom line is, I want an answer. All right, Dave McGinnis, is this John Robinson's best draft class? 19, yes. See, now that's an answer. Well, because I went first. He saw me fail. All right, Jim White's going to say he likes all four best. Yeah, he is. I'm going to say 16. Yeah, because I think you get Jack Conklin, who has been a, a starter all the way through in his right. career and been to uh, been named All-Pro. Kevin Dodd was a – didn't turn out to be a very good pick. But you've gotten Austin Johnson, who has played his entire career. Derrick Henry's turned into one of the best backs in the league. Kevin Byard has turned into one of the best safeties in the league. Tajay Sharp has been a consistent performer for you all the way through. LaShawn Sims in the fifth round uh, has been solid for you. Back end, Tritola, Wallace, Reed, those guys are no longer around. But I think you've got so much production oh, and, sure. and a lot of bang for your buck out of those early picks that I'm going 2016. My battle was 18 and 19, actually, because really? I, I looked at 18, and you've got one of the best linebackers in the league for years to come, I think, in Rashawn Evans. And then you've got Harold Landry, who you absolutely stole at 41, and they're going to be hallmark pieces on your defense for years. And then you got Crookshank, who the head coach calls one of the best special teams players in the league right now. So those were the three, those were the three players you got. But I got to go with this year because of Big Jeff. I mean, to get Big Jeff at 19 is crazy. To get A.J. Brown at 51 is crazy. You got a, what appears to be a starting right guard. You stole the safety hooker in the fourth round. And I think you stole David Long as well. David Long can play some football. And, Coach, you like DeAndre Walker, too. We're not even, that's, and we haven't seen him yet. Right. But he's – and especially, you want to go clear back to front multiplicity when we started this with, yes. our, with our OTPQs? This guy's going to be a nice piece for that. All right. Well, that's good. We kind of hmm. bounced right on I'm that I'm getting a dirty a good, look That was there. a good debate. You did what I did, but you gave your second answer first. You said, what? you said 18, but I'll go with 19. I said 19, but you could also go with 17. You did it backwards, so you think you no, didn't No, you cheat. answered the question, hmm. and then you went with the caveat. I it wasn't said, a caveat. I said you what put I was your caveat first. Nah, you're making up the rules 16 as you go. As well. mm -mm. 16, because nope. of Bayard, nope. because of Bayard, 16 is a strong case. He's doing it again. What do you think about Mike's outfit today? It's not an outfit. I think I'm not allowed shirt. to call it an outfit, All but right. it is rather nice. Why has Jeffrey Simmons played better in the last two games, Coach? Jeffrey Ryan? Simmons is just now learning what's going on in the National Football League. He missed so much. I, I, I've said this before on the OTP, and I'll say it with anybody asking me. When a, when a rookie comes in and misses training camp, it, it, it puts you so far behind of the nuances of what goes on in the National Football League. Look, he's a really blessed player physically and 
mentally. He's got what it takes. I mean, this, this, but all of the things that you have to learn to play, it's not just put pads on and go out there and hit somebody as hard as you can. There's so many nuances to learning what's going on and how people are going to block him, especially inside, that they know who he is and how it fits and what to read early and how to be able to get a jump and those types of things. So he, he is learning on the job right now. And that's why you're seeing him get better and better and better with experience. But you can't manufacture experience. And experience has to come by doing it. And he's doing it. He's staying healthy, and he's doing it week to week to week. He's going to improve as long as we play this year. He'll improve. But you watch him Watch him when he comes out here on this grass next year in OTAs after an offseason. Just wait for that. He needs a big game Sunday against the Houston Texans. He does, and because he changes things for everybody around him when he's when he's good, and uh, hopefully this is kind of the start of him getting another push here at the end. Amy Wells, I'm going to give you another shot here. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. What is the statistic that surprises you most about the Tennessee Titans after the first 13 games this year? I think that the thing that I am most surprised about is, and this is kind of a – you're not going to like this answer, but whatever. That against the Oakland Raiders, Ryan Tannehill was able to complete passes to 10 different people on offense. And I find that surprising because of how far this Titans offense has come in the 2019 season. Not six weeks, seven, eight weeks ago, we were sitting at this table talking about all of the different things that need to happen for an offense to be successful. And for a single person to make a reception, the offensive line needs to work. The guy needs to get open. The quarterback needs to know where he needs to be. We talked about all of these things and how monumentally hard it is to just complete a single pass, let alone passes to 10 different human beings on offense. I think that that is so impressive, and it speaks to what this offense is able to do right now. Why would I not like that? I don't know. I mean, I th- that was Well, I wasn't sure if you wanted succinct. something more. That was well thought out. Overarching. That was not Thanks, overarching. It was not done with a bunch of qualifiers. That was well done. Hmm. Well, thanks, Mike. Y'all are patching things up here. This is beautiful. All right, what do you oh, got, it'll, co- it'll come unhinged. Don't what worry. do you got? Give us some. What's your stats that you're going to get in the middle of our conversation? <laughs> I'm going with the red zone effectiveness. Okay. 27 touchdowns and 37 trips leads the NFL. Uh, and certainly there's been some conversation in the last couple of weeks about Ryan Suckup and, and concerns about him not being as accurate as he needs to be. Well, the reality is he's not kicking many field goals. He's kicking extra points because this team scores so many touchdowns. So I think when you score 27 touchdowns and 37 trips inside the red zone, that's a heck of a feat. completion percentage since he's been the starting quarterback with, now stop, with 45 explosive passes. That's 45 passes of 15 yards or more. Most people that lead the league in completion percentage are the dink and dunk guys. Tampa Bay, we had four. The Chargers, we had eight explosives. Tampa Bay, we had four. Carolina, we had eight. Kansas City, five. Jacksonville, seven. Indy, four. Oakland, nine. People are going to say, Mac, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of run after catch with that. Titans rank 19th with yards after catch in the league. Do they really? So it's more than it's more than yards after catch. Okay, 
It's accuracy. It's throwing it deep. That's, that, that's unheard of. 9.8 yards per attempt with 73.4% accuracy. Kurt Warner's got the record in the National Football League, 9.8 with the 2,000 greatest show on turf Rams. This passing game and what Tannehill and Arthur Smith are doing with this passing game right now, that's impressive. That's good stuff. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Very, very well done by our crew. Mine would actually be what Derrick Henry's done in spite of the fact that he has faced eight and nine-man boxes. He was playing well early in the year. And I, and I said, even though we get to mid-year and he's over 500 yards, I thought his consistency was outstanding. And I felt like he could take off. Now he's on the verge of a 1,500-yard season if he's healthy and, and if he can play. But he's done it no matter what they've put up against him. And now, with the passing game that you guys have been talking about, suddenly you can't key on him the same way. If you do, Ryan Tannehill's going to eat you for lunch, which is like the 2003 Titans were. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, people have uh, people have asked me, uh, very similar to 2003 Titans, people have started, speaking of comparisons, people have started to ask me, who does this team remind me of? And it kind of reminds me of the way things have played out, the 2002 titans as far as how things have kind of picked up steam here down the stretch i think what henry's done um has been a big big part of that we're hitting some important things on the show today about what's coming up on sunday against the houston texans it is code blue and we're excited about that tickets are available at titansonline.com slash tickets but there's also something very important that season ticket members need to keep in mind and i'm talking to Titans season ticket members right now The Titans, if they win this division, if they beat Houston twice in the next couple weeks, they win the AFC South and would host at least one playoff game and and possibly two. If you are a season ticket member, you don't automatically get your seats for the postseason. You have to opt in. A couple days ago, I had a chance to visit with the Titans' senior manager of ticketing services, Stephanie Atkins, We're going to play that for you so she can explain what you need to make sure that you do before Monday to opt in for your tickets for a possible playoff game at Nissan Stadium. Glad to have you here, Steph. Awesome to be here. All right. For season ticket members, your message is much more specific. And because we're here, we have to talk about the postseason. What do Titan season ticket members need to know about the postseason? Definitely. So we want all season ticket members to get locked in for the postseason. That way, when that game is confirmed, they are ready to go. They have their season ticket location secured. And all we've got to do is charge their credit card and get them to the stadium. All right. So bottom line, Titans win the AFC South. Mm-hmm. They have a home game at Nissan Stadium. Yes. I'm a season ticket member. I don't automatically have my seats for the postseason at Nissan Stadium unless I do what? You have to opt in for the playoff tickets. So you go to titansonline.com slash postseason. We have all of the information there. If you have any questions at all, you can call your rep in the ticket office. But all you've got to do is go to that web page, get all your your questions answered. You're going to log into your account and just click pay as we play. And that will lock in your tickets. And you'll only be charged for the game when it's confirmed. So you've got to opt in, click the pay-as-we-play option, and you're good to go. When do Titans season ticket members need to have this completed? Monday, December 16th.
representatives in the ticket office will be working hard here to make sure all of our season ticket holders get opted in. Um, so they'll be set, locked, ready to go on Monday the 16th. So if we win the division, everybody's good to go for that game. So bottom line, Titans season ticket members, you've been with this team all along. You've been through good times, bad times, in between times. The Titans win the division. You have got to be there for the home playoff game, but you must opt in. And some of you, if you were like me, probably wouldn't think about that. You'd think, I've been a season ticket holder for X number of years. I automatically get them. But you don't. So one more time, how do they opt in to make sure they have their ticket, Steph? Sure. TitansOnline.com slash postseason gives you all the information there. You can log into your Titans account and just click that pay as we play option. That'll get you all set. If you have any questions, you can call our office at 615-565-4200 option one and your ticket rep will be happy to help you. But we'll get you all set up. That's Stephanie Atkins, who is the senior manager of ticketing services with us. And so opt in. Yeah. Get that done by Monday. It's huge. Very big deal. We want a playoff game in Nashville. It would be great. And uh, I hate to even start even speculating on stuff like that because this game Sunday is so important. That's right. But, uh, but it would be a heck of a lot of fun. Well, and that's true. And I know some people have said, oh, I'm afraid I'll jinx them. But from a business standpoint, what you have to understand is a playoff game is a league event. It is not the Titans event anymore, and so that's why they have to have everything put forward as early as they do. If season ticket members are going to take their seats, there's a deadline for doing that on Monday, then they'll do some pre-sales, and then they'll put other things on sale. So some of this is out of control, and you're saying, why are you talking about it? Well, you're, you're talking about it because this is the business side. This is not the football side, and this team ain't going to be worried about us talking about something like this. They're going to plan to take care of business on Sunday against the Texans anyway. No, you, you explained it exactly right, and, and then the, the main thing to remember is, is playoffs are league run, mm-hmm. and so what you said is exactly right. I mean, just business do it. it it's not going to affect the football. As the most superstitious person in the room, I give everybody out there permission to go ahead and opt in. Make sure that you secure your playoff tickets as a season ticket member. You will not interrupt the juju, I promise. And you really have nothing to lose by doing it. Well, and the other thing, too, that people need to know is that the Titans will not take your money unless there's a playoff game. Yep. And that's the thing some people don't remember about years ago, your money used to come out of your account and go towards next year. That doesn't happen anymore. You will not be charged if there's not a home game. Yep. Pay as you play. Yeah, and 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 as you have covered very well, I mean, I have seen in the past teams kind of get ridiculed when they start talking about sure. playoff tickets, you know, four or five weeks before the season ends. Well, this is, a, this is league-wide. I mean, every That's team right. that is in the playoff hunt – coming down the stretch has to start making preparations for a playoff game in the event it happens. So um, hopefully it does end up happening here because uh, we've seen what the city has been like for playoff games. I I think Sunday's going to be a heck of a Oh, it's going to be unbelievable. And that leads us to what's brewing. Brought to you by Duncan. You spoke and we listened. The Great Taste Plant-Based Beyond Sausage Sandwich from Duncan is now available at Duncan locations nationwide. With 10 grams of Beyond Sausage plant-based protein in between a toasted English muffin and delicious egg and cheese, mmm, mmm. Duncan's taking a twist on a classic, creating a brand new way for you to start your day. 
So get up, get out, and get into Dunkin' for a plant-based boost to your mornings and start your day the plant-based way. America runs on Dunkin'. Dave McGinnis, you've won the toss. You have elected to receive. What's brewing with you? We've been talking about good playoff football. There is some really horrible football going on in the NFC East. I mean, that is that is bad ball. That's bad ball. You've got two teams that are 6-7 and seven right now that are fighting for the lead in the NFC least. I mean, th- <laughs> it is, it's bad ball. I mean, 6-7, 6-7, 3-10, 2-11. Seven, they've earned 3-10 and 2-11. And, and, and right now, 6-7 and seven would be the fourth seed. That's right. That's bad ball. I mean, I've well documented. Then I've they'll done, host a playoff game. That's my point. I've done this for a long time. I've seen some bad divisions. This is bad football that's going on right now. That game that we just saw against Dallas and Philly, that set the National Football League back 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's brewing in the NFC East. Jim Wyatt, what's brewing with you? Mine is, and I had several things written down, and then I uh, this morning I uh, decided probably what's at the front of my mind is w- what is it going to be like on Sunday? I mean, as far as this crowd goes and the excitement level goes, uh, immediately after that game in Oakland, Derrick Henry, Mike Vrabel immediately started kind of making pleas for the fans to show up and to make a difference. And I know there have been games this year where the opposing team has had a lot of fans here, and the Titans have been ridiculed some for the attendance figures. And then I, somebody pointed out something interesting to me yesterday, just the attendance figures are across the league. Titans are 21st, I guess, in home attendance, ahead of teams like, you know, I'll tell you all the teams are ahead of, ahead of Miami, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Arizona, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Oakland, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Better home attendance than every one of those teams. Uh, and we got a chance to take it to another level on Sunday. And I'm curious to see what the fans, what the turnout's going to be. I'm curious to see what the excitement level is going to be in the stadium. From the sense of th- things I get from listening to talk radio, from the social media, just from the buzz in the city, I think it's going to be a really cool day. But um, I'm curious to see what, what Titans fans do and on, uh, on Sunday at Nissan. Amy Wells, what's brewing with you? All right, have you guys played with the New York Times playoff predictor? They put it out every year where you can click all the different scenarios and it gives you percentages, and I could do it all day. I mean, I just think it's the coolest thing. But John Glennon went through and did it for me. And he clicked John around. John Glennon of The Athletic. Yes. He went and clicked around, and he wrote an article about, is this a must-win game for the Titans? And playing with all the different scenarios. So he says that Sunday's game will likely be one of the remaining three contests, one of the only ones where the Titans are favored. The Titans are favored right now by three points. If the Titans win this game, the Titans would be 100% ch- 100% assured a playoff spot if they also beat Houston in the final game of the season. We know this. We win the division. Yeah, they, they didn't need New York Times well, for that. I'm not <laughs> done. I'm still reading. Okay. I have more underlined. All right. Or if you win this game, the Titans would have a 76% chance of making the playoffs if they beat New Orleans and then lose to Houston. Right. So then – if the Titans lose this week, their chances of making the playoffs at all fall to just 26% regardless of what happens, according to this playoff prediction. So the conclusion? 
the conclusion is come to this game. It's really important. <laughs> the Titans need to win. That is what I'm well, saying. Here's what we know. If the Titans finish tied with the Texans in overall record and split the two games with the Texans, the Texans win the division. Right. If the Titans finish tied with the Texans in overall record and sweep them, they win the division. So beat the Texans twice, no matter what happens against New Orleans, you win the division. Right. The Texans would win it because of their overall division record. They would win it because they beat Jacksonville twice. So they have a head-to-head tiebreaker with the Titans in regards to the division based on division record because of what happened with Jacksonville. So splitting and finishing with the same record, advantage Houston. Titans winning two and finishing with the same record, advantage Titans. So it's a, it is a bigger game Sunday for the Titans as far as the division. Not talking about the wild card because there's still a lot of things to go on with that. And I think Pittsburgh's the one to keep an eye right. on there. I mean, they, and they've got a game against Buffalo on Sunday, and then I think they play at the Jets and at Baltimore in their final two games. And, and you know, all these playoff predictors don't take into account what happens if Baltimore has clinched their spot right. and they're sitting their starters. I mean, you've got to factor in things like that as you head down the season. It would be a gut punch to finish 10-6 and six and not get into the playoffs. Ooh. And there's a scenario where that could happen. There is a scenario. So the Titans need to finish 11-5, and five and you take everything out of that. 11-5, you're possibly the number three seed because you have a head-to-head with Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So Just come to the game on yeah, just Sunday. Win Sunday. All of this to say come on Sunday. Win Sunday. Win yep. Sunday. All in right, the, so here's what's brewing with me, the power of a tackle. Ryan Tannehill has gotten praise for completing passes, for running for scores, for running for two-point conversions, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody get as much attention for making a tackle on Hurst on the interception in the first quarter and the reaction that people have had to his hustle, to his aggressiveness, to the form at which he tackled, to the ferocity at which he tackled. We love football in this part of the country. We love football players. The Titans quarterback, just like when Marcus Mariota had the stiff arm two years ago on Barry Church, we like that sort of thing. That's who we are. That's in our DNA. And when you say, that's my quarterback, which everybody likes to say today, you see a guy make a tackle like that, it's easy to say, that's my quarterback. Hashtag, that's my quarterback. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, You're and down I, with the kids, and I, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I think the Raiders kind of forgot about them. I mean, I think they were, they were they had a line of blockers out there, and they were kind of keeping an eye on them. And, it, and the way Ryan kind of played is he kind of was veering off to the left is almost to say, I'm out of this play. And then they looked the other way, and here he is making a beeline. And, and he made a heck of a hit. And I've watched that several times. Uh, props to him for his hustle and for the hit and not being timid at all. Uh, the big man landed right on top of his hand. I mean, it, it, it's lucky he didn't get hurt because when he brought him down, the force of their two bodies, his hand and wrist area, you know, right underneath there. So I'm, I was glad to see him get up and kind of move his shoulder pads and realize he's okay. Big Spring, Texas. 
West Texas dude. That's all I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> That's what's brewing with us. The great taste plant-based Beyond Sausage sandwich from Duncan is here with 10 grams of Beyond Sausage plant-based protein in between a toasted English muffin and delicious egg and cheese. Mm-mm. Duncan has created a brand new way to start your day so you can add a plant-based boost to your mornings. America runs on Duncan. Mm-hmm. We Be- run on Duncan this morning. Yeah, no, Duncan Munchkins are good too. Got all kind of Duncan on the table. That's I love exactly it. right. Got my Duncan coffee that I just finished off. When's this Duncan up here by us going to be open? Early next year? Yeah, I think they were saying January or February. I am ready. I'll like, tell you one thing. I sure am excited after a win because you get that one dollar Duncan medium coffee with your app. Yep, that's Ooh. pretty great. I'll be in a tent waiting for them to open out front. Like I'm so excited. <laughs> like camping out for tickets. It'll uh-huh. ease that line up at the place down the street too. That always seems to. If you're making that turn, uh, there's always <laughs> the a lot place of congestion that cannot be there. mentioned. Yeah. Like so Baltimore. It may free yes. up <laughs> some of the traffic in that area yeah. and get them uh, to Dunkin' Donuts. I have a feeling that's going to happen. Yeah. Jim's beginning to understand the whole sponsor thing. That's cool. <laughs> Jim Wyatt, how can people follow you on Twitter and you Instagram me and Facebook and at, everything uh, else you're on? Uh, at Jay Wyatt Sports on Twitter and Instagram. You can see the team's outfits each week uh, on there. They are outfits. Jim is so great. Mm-hmm. I like it when he's Jim's on my team. <laughs> I like it when he's on my team. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Titans Amy A-M-I-E. Coach Mack and I are on Titans Radio, and you can hear us every Sunday. Big one on Sunday. Man, can't wait for this ball game. Titans and the Texans, noon Central time kickoff. Titans Radio on the air at 11 a.m. Central. Remember, it's code blue. Remember, tickets are still available at titansonline.com slash tickets. You can buy them there. Come early. Get into the stadium. Get through security. Be ready to go at kickoff because this is going to be a punch-counter-punch game. That's all there is to it. I mean, it's going to be – Throwing down in the middle of the ring from the first moment we go. That's why you love the NFL. Mm-hmm. You got it right here in our backyard. Let's go. And the Texans are tough. Yep. They are. Texans didn't play well last week, which is even more reason for them to show up and be ready to play on Sunday. They'll be ready. And they've risen to the occasion in a lot of, a lot of big games this year. So it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. For Jim White, for Amy Wells, for Dave McGinnis, Mike Keith says thank you for listening once again to the OTP. Shout out Ben Gilbert. Mm.